Hey there, welcome to the Doing Good Business Podcast, hosted by Kelly Stewart, business strategist helping companies to do good in all aspects of their business, and me, Laura Heacock, a leadership coach helping professionals bring kindness into business. Doing Good Business is a podcast for leaders who want to bring their whole selves to work and create companies that make a real difference in the world. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Doing Good Business. It's me, Laura Heacock, here with Kelly Stewart. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so excited this week to bring you two guests, and we're going to let them introduce themselves. We have Mel Carson from Delightful Communications, and we also have Lakita Williams from Co-Create Work. These are two amazing people that are really exemplifying doing good business out in the world, and I'm going to actually just pass it right over to Mel to let him do the best introduction of him that he possibly can. Thanks for being here, Mel. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm Mel Carson, founder and CEO of Delightful Communications. We are a small but perfectly formed modern marketing and digital PR agency uh, out in Seattle. I'm actually from England, London, England, but have been a transplant here for about seven years. Uh, Our business really focuses on digital amplification and uh, branding of both companies and people. Um, We we work a lot doing personal branding. And our kind of tagline is that we help people and their businesses become more discoverable, shareable, and memorable. And during that journey, while I've been growing the company, a few years ago, I, I decided to go on a professional coaching course where I met the fabulous Akita Williams. And we really hit it off and she became my coach and uh, has done wonders for me and my business in in kind of giving me a lot of positive energy and encouragement and mentorship around how to grow delightful. And we're now uh, about to make our ninth hire, about to announce uh, us opening uh, a business over in, um, in London as well. And through that work, Lakita and I got together and um, helped her co-create work, which is a fantastic business she now runs. And I'll pass it on to you, Lakita, to tell everybody a bit about yourself. Thank you so much, Mel. Also, thank you, Laura and Kelly, for having us here. I get super excited anytime I get the opportunity to talk about company culture and doing good business. I believe in the transformative power uh, that work has in the world. So I'm so so excited. Mel, thank you for your gracious introduction. Um, I, as Mel mentioned, have the privilege and experience of working with Delightful as they built out their culture um, and really build an amazing team. So my company, as you heard, is Co-Create Work. Um, We're a consultancy and we're really focused on company culture. I help business owners build companies that people wanna work for. It's the kind of quickest way I like to say it. Some of the things that we do are to help to clarify purpose and mission. Um, We help with development of strong leaders, building collaborative teams, and of course, a diverse workplace. And our goal is to really bring together the implementation of systems to support purpose and building a great culture within a company. Kelly, if I know you by now, which I think I do, (laughs) I am going to bet that when Lakita just said systems to support culture, your little ears (laughs) perked up. Am I right? They absolutely did. Absolutely. <laughs> so if if you're handing that baton to me, thank you, Laura. Yeah, I, I will, take it. I'm just going to dive in with my kind of burning question around that is how do you think traditional 
whatever, however we're going to define that, but we all have a, an idea of what that is. Traditional organizational design differs from the way that you would quote unquote do organizational design to support purpose. And just so a little background on that is that, you know, for most of my career, purpose was not a word I ever heard spoken in the hallowed halls of businesses. Uh, we had mission, which was how we were going to do things, but we really didn't talk about the why. And so a lot of what I and our listeners would know about organizational development is more based on that kind of mission perspective. And I'm just curious to hear what are the, the cool, exciting, new or different or positive good things that are go around creating systems for purpose. Yeah, that's a great question. So one thing, um, if when I think about traditional org design and how that's different from organizational design that's for purpose, I want to kind of ground this where they're, they're, they both are, right? Is that org design mm-hmm. is how you look at Correct. how a company operates, um, how it support the systems and how they're built together. Um, essentially it's the organizing, how we communicate and agree to do the work. What I believe you add when you decide to focus on purpose is a deeper motivation that helps the company um, like if I understand why we exist and why we do what we do, then we're able to do things like push back on external pressures, and avoid mm-hmm. taking shortcuts, avoid making poor decisions that ultimately impact employees. So we start with purpose to help formalize the agreement that there's something larger here and that we're all in this together. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's like a, a people over profits perspective for me. Um, when I think about systems to support that, I usually think about everything mostly for around like, let's start with communication. What does purpose mean within our organization? How do we communicate that? And then we talk about values. And what I would say with values is like, how do we operationalize values? So here's what we believe in. And how are the agreements about how we decide to work together? I love that. Um, And then, and Laura's right. I absolutely geek out over those things that are about how do you transform that, right, from this wonderful idea and concept and put it really into practice. Can you give some examples of operationalizing value? One thing, um, one that I I like is um, a a recent one is like we take action over inaction, right? So Mm -hmm. um, when we're presented with a situation, instead of taking six months to figure out what next steps are, we are mm-hmm. going to err on the side of getting to work and just taking a smaller step toward experimentation. If we didn't all kind of agree that up, agree with that up front, or that wasn't one of the agreements about how we work together, we could very easily mm-hmm. get stuck. The tools you use within your company is another one. Um, do we are we using the right tools to be effective? Like, are we being how transparent are we? Does one team within the organization know what another team is doing. Uh, so these are like some of the systems that come together and bring about operationalizing or, or how we show our agreements and our values in our day-to-day work. If I can chime in just as a, as a result of Lakita's work. Um, I was so curious, Mel. I think you just read my mind. I was thinking about like, how, how did that work out when, when you guys are working together? Thank you. Yeah. So. We, we we had a workshop around um, a, a vision and a, a mission and different values um, within the business. And and I think that you know very few of our employees had actually been through that process to think about 
the purpose of why they were being there and <clears throat> and why um what what levers that they could pull or buttons they could push within themselves and other people uh in order to get the work done you know the day to day but also feel more invested in the business, more invested in the work and more invested in themselves. And so, you know, we came up with principles like shine a light, which is how how we're always trying to go above and beyond for our clients and making sure that we are um, showing them the, 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 the very best foot forward. There's things like family first, which means no, no one worries about being sick or having to take a day off or going to the doctor or anything like that because we all rally around and mm. actually that's one of the most in, you know that that's the first thing is is we're a um a team and we look after each other and we look out for each other so we on our, on our website we have a bunch of of these values and uh, during our um team meetings we we do these kind of round robin um uh updates of you know what we're doing with clients and all this kind of stuff and uh, you know we talk about those values and um because we had implemented um this this way of working other people started feeling that they could chime in with with more ideas they felt empowered and one of our team called kylie said you know what we have these we have these weekly meetings I'd really like to have, you know, more often instead of an hour-long meeting, we could just have a 15-minute. And I've been doing these read, read. Uh, I've been doing some research about stand-ups, which mm-hmm. software developers traditionally mm-hmm. do. But can we do it in our business? So now, three days, three times a week, we have stand-ups where we literally stand up. Um, we, we actually got a, a physical um, therapist, my my brother-in-law, to come in and teach us some exercises that we could do while we were doing the stand-up, you know, to That's help with our idea. physical well, physical well-being. But you know, we talk about you know uh, what's got in our way. If there's a block, you know, what we were doing yesterday, what we're talking today. But then we talk about okay, well, what is the 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 delightful principle that we've embodied? This stage. So it makes us more thoughtful and centered. And then, you know, th- th- this then went on with Kylie now came back and said, I want to talk about what I'm thankful for now. So 15 <laughs> minutes, the whole team gets together three times a week. And, you know, wherever they are in the world, um, whether it's we're together in the office or on the phone, uh, and we go through those things. And I, I just feel it's brought us uh, t- t- together a great deal. And, you know, People give kudos over email or whatever with the hashtag. You know, we hashtag the principles when someone shines a light or someone says, you know, someone does something that's people, not just pixels or family first. And it's just had a really incredible effect on on the company and me as a a leader as well to know that um, everything that we're doing is just that little bit more purposeful. So, Lakita, I think that you and I are uh, cut from very similar cloths because <laughs> when I hear all of those things, it's just so it's so aligned with my own beliefs and, and the work that you and I are, are each doing in different segments of the world and just showing that doing mm-hmm. things like this can be profitable. Um, you know, yeah. having a purpose-based business can still have a profit. Having a business that incorporates, you know, kindness principles and health principles and gratitude practices can actually be profitable. Um, have you seen that consistently throughout your work in, in setting up companies like Mel's? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, 
one thing to for us to remember is that at the heart of everything is people, right? And when so when we and I'm sure you've had these conversations as well, if it's a business problem, usually it's a people problem. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that to say people are a problem, right? But that at the at the heart of the issue is like how we're communicating together or how we're working together. So if we can bring in process of principles um, and actions that support things that we know now from science benefit humans, like showing gratitude, um, like communicating well together, being really clear in our communication, um, having a process for making decisions, then it is just going to lead to a more profitable business. I would also add it's going to lead to greater happiness. So the science also supports that people who are purpose driven are going to be more resilient um, they're they're going to be mm-hmm. more connected to the mission, and that in the long term is what you want for your company, and I think what has a large impact. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Laura and I are are big um, progress, not perfection people. So yeah. um, you know, I love what you're talking about, and and we certainly share that that type of perspective. And I'm wondering, as you were saying that, in terms of people, right? We, we're not looking for perfection in all of this, right? But we're looking for the the progress around improving ways that we've done business in the past that just aren't working any longer. Do you find or have you found or have you heard of organizations where they're doing a lot of these really wonderful things and very genuinely, you know, um, when we talk about authentic, we talk about being specific and genuine about what you're mm-hmm. doing and how you do it. So have you found any instances where for whatever reason, there are still some people who maybe don't line up with the purpose considering, and and, um, I say this with a lot of compassion in my heart, right? Everybody has different motivations for why they go to work and what they do. But do you find that there are times when for whatever reason, someone just doesn't line up with what's going on? And it's not necessarily because the environment hasn't been developed or cultivated to support it. Maybe it's just not in the person. Yeah, that's a hard one. I, I think just mm-hmm. because also like the the idealist in me believes that like everyone wants to pursue purpose. I think right. that can definitely happen, but it, it, it usually is from either the company recently switched to this, this new perspective and it's a hard, oh. people are having mm-hmm. a hard time getting on board or believing in um, the authenticity of the change that's happening. Um, we have mm-hmm. to go in and when we start to introduce something like purpose, especially if it wasn't there, we need to understand from them, what does purpose mean? Um, how do you feel like you show purpose in the work uh, and connect how the bigger vision and purpose of the company is impacting them directly as an employee. With that being said, I think it's definitely a situation where sometimes for some employees, it's just not the right maybe fit once Mm -hmm. you are really clear and take a step back as a leader to make sure that you are exemplifying what it is that you uh, are communicating that the company stands for and that that's actually happening because sometimes what we intend to happen is is maybe not what's happening and that might be why Mm -hmm. people are disengaged so once you kind of ensure those things it may be that the person isn't a good fit, but I would usually say like start with those steps first. 
one thing that I know Delightful does and that we kind of worked on together is a retrospective around the company and like the culture of the company. So asking those three questions, like what's working, where are we stuck, what are things that we want to do differently on a quarterly basis to kind of measure how people are feeling and getting like exact words rather than doing just um, like a scaled engagement survey. I think that those can go well together, but getting those words and really understanding like where some of the barriers may be and helping uh, to improve and increase alignment around those. Before we did the work that we did with Lakita, we made some um, less than satisfactory hires with Mm. hindsight. Once we did Mm -hmm. the work and then kind of mixed in the the purpose and values and principle work into our hiring process and the questions that we asked and the competencies that we had for the mm-hmm. roles that we were hiring from, we haven't made a bad hire since then. So, wow. Fabulous. Thank so, you. That's exciting. That. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's helpful. We've had some fantastic people on paper with superior experience you know, superb experience, but, you know, the the, the, the cultural fit just wasn't there. And, and yeah. we wouldn't have mm-hmm. known that there was a cultural disconnect unless we'd gone through a work to figure out what our culture should be. That's so important, that kind of first things first mentality around that. So um, I, I commend you for doing the work because clearly there's the, the long tail of success that comes with that, but it starts with actually doing that work on your culture and understanding what that is and then pulling in those tools. So that's to be commended. Thank you. So Kelly, you had mentioned something earlier that, you know, in, in our storied careers in corporate, you know, the word purpose and, <laughs> and all of these things were, were typically not a part of the stories that, that we experience. And my question is actually for both Mel and for Lakita. So whomever would like to answer it first, how has the career, before you created Mel Delightful and Lakita Co-Create, how has the career that you had before that shaped the companies that you've created? I mean, my examples often, unfortunately, come from, you know, bad leadership examples, bad cultures that I've been a part of or that I've witnessed. So I'm curious what each of you, you know, good, bad, and indifferent, what has sort of shaped the organizations that you're currently creating from that kind of big corporate background that you each came from? Similar to what you highlighted there uh, is is like there's so many inputs that go into then how we experience or think about um, going to create a company. That's why so many companies uh, are very similar to like the thoughts and values of the founder. So I really appreciate and mm-hmm. like this question. I'll say for me, like I started my corporate career in sales and moved into management. And I have to be honest, y'all, the first manage, I mean, the first uh, uh, try at leadership as a manager, I did a terrible job and made a ton of mistakes. And I think certainly there's things within the culture of the company that enabled those mistakes to happen. Um, and because mm-hmm. we were prioritizing something like right numbers over people um, mm-hmm. to a detriment, so completely to a fault, that caused me to start to initially really think differently and lean into, okay, how do we empower people? How do we, that, that got me to start thinking about purpose. What accelerated that for me is having a personal tragedy at work. So my daughter, who's now eight and doing great, was born prematurely. And the difficulty with balancing that along with attempting to work and be in a very 
high profile position and prioritizing, you know, trying to balance do I prioritize work here? Do I, you know, prioritize um, going to the hospital here? And I think many, many employees have to make that trade off. That caused mm-hmm. me again to start thinking really deeply. So mm-hmm. as I stepped into uh, my very last role before starting co-create, really with this mission to create great experiences for employees, um, it, again, it came back to uh, a lot of mistakes. Stakes, a lot of uh, the company prioritizing, you know, uh, money or, you know, uh, bad, having bad examples of leadership where I said, I really have to take a step out and start this company, but focus on helping business owners as they are growing know that they don't have to do that and they don't have to sacrifice profit for, you know, uh, like they, that uh, doing good in a company or having a company that's mission-driven or purpose-driven doesn't come with getting rid of profits. I think now we're in mm-hmm. a place where we see so much more of the data supports that. And so it, it is a bit of the easier story to tell. But like Mel highlighted, it takes a lot of investment. Like you have to really think seriously about creating a company culture and put some work into it like you would in any other area of the company. Um, I think I might have gone in a circle there, but that, that's really what got me. No, it was great. Um, and I just, I heard echoes. I heard echoes of you, Lakeisha, and thinking back to to Mel sharing the value that they have of family first and not worrying. And I was just like, oh, so that I feel like that connected a lot of dots, like your story and, you know, how that's positively impacting the companies that that you're working with. And we just happen to have Mel's example right now in front of us. So that's great. <laughs> so, Mel, same question to you. What did you, yeah. you know, good, bad or indifferent? What shaped the the company that you've now started? This, uh, I'm, uh, this is great because I've just gone back 19 years to I, I used to be an actor. I used to be an actor. Um, and before I got into marketing, uh, I got given the lead part in Rent, uh, the musical in the West End. Um, and about a month later, when they were still deliberating, it got taken away from me because of uh, they decided to drop it from the West End in London and go on a tour. And I, I thought, I'm not going to stay in acting because, you know, I had no control over it and, and the, all these things keep happening. And then I get into marketing and, you know, with the internet, the early internet 2000s, and it, 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 it was great. And I was always learning and I was always, you know, building up my skills and experience. And then I went to Microsoft and I had a great time for six years, seven years at Microsoft absolutely fantastic but then after seven years of doing great work and running all around the world and and working on marketing whatever I get laid off and Mm. I just thought to myself you know I I've got to do something for myself where I can build something on my own terms and I don't care how long it takes and I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to put myself out there and you know it it could be hard and it, it and it it might fail but and, and now we're kind of nearly seven years later and, 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 you know, thanks to the work that we did with Lakita that really gave me the confidence to put the foot down and, um, and, and, and start growing the business once I'd kind of furtively been looking around at the lie of the land. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're growing and, and, and we're doing very well. But I think part of it is, is A, the fact that I, I really wanted to do something for myself um, and, you know, pr- pr- 
protect myself from from all the outside influences but it's kind of that i think dale carney used it the the circle of influence mm-hmm. and concern so you know there's a lot of things that concern me which i couldn't influence i i think on top of that it's the fact that i had worked with so many other pr agencies marketing agencies and and also you know some some indifferent bosses who i just didn't feel were doing as good a job as they could be um, and I didn't think that they were going above and beyond and I didn't think that they were doing the absolute best that they possibly could and I didn't think that they always had the people or their clients at the heart of everything that they did so my wife you know always rolls her eyes Ashley at me when I talk to our team about over promising and then over delivering but that's what we've always tried to do is with everything that we do we embody all the principles that we do that, and, and we literally just try and be delightful, delightful results, delightful um, for, for our clients, a delightful place to work. And we're very, very um, purpose-driven for, for our team in the fact that I am you know, privileged beyond belief that, that they want to work with us and that they're learning and that we give them incredible responsibility um, and that you know, we're, I'm helping you know, nurture and grow the next generation of business people. A lot of them are women, um, very diverse work, work, work team. Um, if they want to stay with us, great. But I just have this, this, this real desire to empower other people to, to get up, work really hard, but then, you know, reap the rewards. And if they want to leave Delightful and go and work for Amazon or Microsoft or whoever, that's great, and I'll, you know, we'll support them on 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 going on that journey. But I I I really think it was kind of um, the trauma of of losing that West End starring West End roles, you know, like being on the you know, main stage in Broadway, and and then getting laid off from that big company where you would have thought you would have been safe in amongst a hundred thousand other people. To really focus mm-hmm. on trying to build out something for myself, my family, but then. More, le- more, more in the later years has been more about um, helping other people grow and, and, and be great at what they do. Great story. I think it's so, this is Kelly, it's just so representative of these shifts that are happening, right? And there was a time when you could start your career at a certain company and think, well, that's it, career for life, right? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> and that doesn't exist anymore. And I know and I'm sure you have experienced this um, in, in networking, certainly for me over the last, you know, five or 10 years, no matter what industry you go to, people are like, no, Kelly, you don't understand it so hard, right? And and I've heard that in for-profit, not-for-profit academia. This is the first time I've heard about it in acting, like it was just another area where I thought, oh, there's another whole industry, if you will, then there there wasn't a guarantee there either. And it was hard, right? And I think when we look at this in totality, the changes that are happening collectively in our mindset about what business could be, should be, uh, how we can do that. I think it's helping to reclaim, okay, it's not that stability of you go to IBM, you retire from IBM, but it's that uh, resiliency factor. It's saying that we can still act with confidence in the face of of uncertainty because we're shoring up those internal resources that are so important in in any industry. Just my two yeah. thoughts, not really a question. 
<laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And what really, um, and that allows us to drive innovation if people, mm-hmm. uh, employees feel like they are safe and they can take a risk in terms of, you know, I won't be let go for taking a risk or, um, right. we have agreements about how we work together and here is something that I want to try. You create space for people to speak up do their best work. Uh, and that allows us to really um, change the dynamic of what we put mm-hmm. out as a product or a service, but also how we think about approaching work. Very I love helpful. that. I feel like you guys just created a, uh, a course for leaders everywhere. Like Kelly and Lakita, resilience over stability is really what drives innovation. <laughs> I just feel like there's, that to me just really hit home. So I wanted to, Kelly, I'm going to totally steal your question, which is just further evidence that you and I are morphing into one person. To um, one person? <laughs> Absolutely. Go ahead, my friend. <laughs> so Mel, I know you had shared with us that your organization, you know, one of the things that you're doing, you shared a lot about the personal level, but at the organizational level, um, Delightful is pursuing B certification, B Corp Labs, B, sorry, B Labs certification. So we were just curious, um, you know, and Kelly, I think is, probably one of the people that I know in my life that knows most about the organization. What made that decision right for your organization? You know, what drove you to go through and and be involved in their certification process? Um, I think it was the, my my wife left Microsoft after 12 years, 13 years or something, because she was, you know, she, she, she was interested in seeing what, what was happening on the, uh, on my side of the fence, so to speak, and she had actually been to the initial weekend of this coaching course, which was all about energy, um, you know, positive energy, and she, she jacked in her job, literally, you know, gave a month's notice and, and came and joined us, and um, with Lakita's help coaching me, we started growing it, and, you know, we're a successful outfit, and with success comes uh, rewards, and we just kind of sat around thinking, oh, well, this, you know, it hasn't been easy, but it hasn't exactly been as hard as you read in all those kind of startup entrepreneur, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, woe stories. So what else can we be doing? We can't just, you know, we can't just sit around making money the whole time. And I don't just want to be donating money to nonprofits and showing up on boards and, and all that kind of stuff. So what what can we do to, you know, pursue something that, you know, demonstrates the fact that we're actually doing this authentically. And we started looking at, at, at the Beef Court certification and, um, you know, it, we, we're still in the process of, of trying to get all the levers right to, to, to get certified. But it's hard. It's not some easy peasy thing where you just plug in a few things and off you go. Um, they really make you go through the hoops and be very thoughtful about, you know, the the diversification of your workforce. Um, which bank accounts you use? Are you using credit unions versus, you know, the big the big high street banks and and, and things like that? And so we we actually wanted to make it harder for ourselves. <laughs> it sounds crazy, <laughs> but harder for ourselves than simply going to our accountant and saying, you know, how much tax could we save if we gave such and such charity a bunch of money or whatever to make us feel good we we really wanted to work hard on on, on that um uh, on the certification but you know also have it on our website you know so that we attract the right 
climate clients. We turn mm-hmm. down oil and oil and gas um, clients and, and and some other types of clients simply because they didn't reflect our our values around you know social responsibility, social good, the environment, and all that kind of thing. So the 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 B badge, you know, it, it, yeah, it looks cool, but it's something there that is a statement to say that you know that this is you know our stake in the ground. This is what we believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, it would help. It would certainly help us attract the right kind of um, employees as well, who would feel a lot more aligned with. Uh, uh, a company pursuing that kind of um, doing a good in in society than than may, maybe if we weren't. So um, it, it's something that we're definitely pursuing and try to embody in, in everything that we do. I think those are great motivators. And for me, in what how I look at it from a, a business standpoint, when you consider your company stakeholders, right? So that's your employees, your clients, it could even be your banker, your investor. I think that the companies that are willing, and you, you took the phrase right out of my mind, you know, putting your stake in the sand and saying, this is what we do. And if you are willing to do the work of the certification, you should have that badge and use it proudly when you earn it. Because I think what it really helps to do is awareness grows for what that logo represents. It's really about earning trust through transparency. What you have said is, we're doing the right thing. Uh, 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 you, the general you who goes to apply, I won't put words in your mouth, Mel, but you know, the, um, the, the companies that go to do that say, these are the good things that we're doing. And a third party has verified this, and therefore you can trust in what this logo is, which is what I think differentiates it from the many other companies who say they do good things. And quite frankly, they could be doing a lot of really good things. But how do I as the consumer or the client or the investor know that for sure? And um, so I know that the work is there's a lot of work involved in it. But I applaud you for doing it again. uh, I think that's a great thing. And I, I hope that you'll be getting your certification soon. Well, all I'd say is even if because it is hard, even if we 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 don't get it, it, it's been a real education on on how we should mm-hmm. behave as a corporation and, and as a company going forward. And so, you know, it was never a cynical move for us. It was never a marketing ploy. And I'm actually glad right. that they make it as hard as they do because mm-hmm. um, they they've got to be super careful about that that logo Absolutely. and that brand so it doesn't get diluted. It's so great to what both of you all were saying. And I think about how mission driven Delightful is as a as a company, even before we started our work. What I love about it and my like it, it, it ignites the excitement around like systems. What what the B Corp certification does is it says end to end, right? Everyone we touch, mm-hmm. whether it's vendors, employees, the environment are we doing Mm -hmm. the right thing? And like, are we supporting humanity? And that is what I love. And so making that decision to pursue that, it says, I am willing to take a step back because I mean, Delightful is extremely mission driven. And even still there were a lot of stuff where we were like, okay, we can make a difference or we can make a different choice here. Um, And so I love that about the certification. And it really is about like doing good business end to end for sure. Mm-hmm. Across the organization is how I say it. And I was thrilled the other day where we are locally. I um, drove into a little 
kind of borough, small little town, but there had been a Gap Bath and Body Works on the corner and it's now become Athleta. And so they had kind of painted the outside of the building, freshened it up, and Athleta is Gap's division for uh, women's outerwear or apparel. And they became certified last year. And for the first time ever, right in their storefront window, there was the big B Corp cert logo. And I was thrilled to see it because like, yes, we're raising awareness for what this is. And it's a wonderful thing. And as more people know that and value it for what it is, um, it will only grow. And that can only be a good thing, right? (laughs) So Hmm. excellent. What a great place to... uh... To wrap up this conversation, thank mm-hmm. you so, so much, Lakita. Um, I know we'll link to co-create and we'll link to delightful in our show notes, but wanted to give you each a moment to just share, you know, is there anything exciting that you have coming up that you'd like to share? People can find you, Lakita, at co-create work. Where else? Yeah, you can find me at uh, www.cocreatework.com. You can also find me on Instagram at co-create work. Uh, and I think if you go to my site, one thing uh, that I love to start with thinking about is hiring and how you bring someone into your organization and what preparation you do even before you hire that person. So if you go to my website, there's a free hiring guide to kind of take you through the steps and get you prepared for that. And I think I'll just add in closing for, for my portion is that any, like we can all create purpose-driven businesses. It's, it's one step at a time. It's not a, a single thing that some people have and some people don't. Uh, it, we can all create businesses that'll make a positive difference um, in the world. And so just start with resources. Uh, one great book is The Good Job Strategy by Zenith Pan, um, and there's other resources out there. So I would just encourage everyone to build purpose-driven organizations. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Mel, aside from Delightful Communications, what are you excited about? Where can people find you? Oh, my goodness me. Um, MelCarson.com. Uh, that's my website. We're, we're, we're on the social medias. Just do a little search on Twitter. We're at Delightful, uh, which is nice. And, yeah, I mean, we're, we're always – we've always got something up our sleeve. We have a um, – uh, a newsletter on the Delightful Communications website called the Personal Brand Lab, which uh, is lots of tons of uh, resources about how um, you yourself can be um, more discoverable, shareable, and memorable. So, um, you know, that, that's been one of our principles is people, not just pixels, and making sure that people are put into the heart of everything we do. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, we're, we're always out there. It's what we do. And I, I just want to um, in, encourage people to check out Lakita's cocreatework.com uh, website and all the great stuff that she's done because we wouldn't be doing what we're doing now if it wasn't for her. And thank you to you guys for you know having us on your on your shows. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. We are Kelly and I always say you know we really love highlighting you know leaders and business owners that are doing good business because she and I could yak about it until the cows come home. But really, what matters is other leaders and other business owners knowing that this is possible and this is profitable. Profitable, and you know you both have been just fantastic examples of that. So thank you so much for being with us today. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and we would love to hear from you. Send your comments, your questions, suggested topics to podcast 
at doinggoodbusiness.com. If you'd like, visit our website of the same name, doinggoodbusiness.com. Remember, you can always rate and review us wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Feel free to share it. Until next time, we encourage you to take one small step toward doing good business.